0: Angelica Zi, Herbs. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Spurbs Herbs. Today we are going to be talking about urchin Tong, or two-aged herb decoction. So let's get into it. So today we will be looking at a very important formula, Urchin are Two Aged Herbs formula, or sometimes you'll hear Two Cured uh, formula uh, referring to herbs. This is a very foundational formula and many other formulas are based on it. So continue listening and we will get to this important information. And of course, we will have something a little different. We will be discussing what is phlegm from a Chinese medical perspective. We'll see why that's important when we're talking about this formula. So, before we get into it, just wanna talk, have a a little chat with you. Have you ever wanted to give herbs to a patient on drugs? Do you have the knowledge and tools to do that effectively and safely? I am finishing up my drug herb webinar series, which gives you real world tools in answer to these questions. As a beginning, the first course will give you an in-depth overview of how drugs, and by the same token, how herbs work on the body. The second focuses on drug-herb interactions and gives you a unique, powerful, real-world tool for assessing them. This knowledge should be in every practitioner's toolkit, so I'm gonna give you these first two courses Six hours of CUs for 30% off the reg- already regularly low price. Just go to integrativemedicinecouncil.org slash 32. So that's integrativemedicinecouncil.c C-O-U-N-C-I-L, dot org slash 32 for this episode, 32. And get your discount right now. But please hurry, this is a limited time offer. All right, so let's get into our little something different today. Today, we are going to be talking about phlegm, which is considered an internal pathogen. And because the formula that we're doing, its main job is to, to, uh, to uh, treat phlegm. So let's understand a little bit about phlegm before we get into it. So phlegm is an internal path pathogen, internal pathogens or pathogenic factors, sometimes you'll hear them as internal pathogens or other times as pathogenic factors, uh, uh, there's probably not a whole bunch of difference between those two translations, are either internally generated or transformed from an external pathogenic factor. There are three exceptions here where an external factor can direct directly go interior without going through an external stage these include invasion of cold in the stomach. Actually, all three of these are invasion of cold. First is invasion of cold into the stomach. The second is invasion of cold into the intestines. And the third is invasion of cold in the uterus. So right there, you know, one thing uh, with these external pathogenic factors, cold can penetrate. But we're not talking about cold today. We're talking about phlegm. Those are just examples of internal pathogens. So let's get into phlegm so according to machiocha if you're not familiar with machiocha he he uh, has has written the fundamental textbooks Uh, i I don't know a school around there's there's one other major textbook and most schools will use uh both actually so um as as foundational uh textbook for chinese medicine like the first textbook that you'll get into so machiocha is a big one Uh, And and here's some quotes from him. Phlegm is a very important and common internal pathogenic factor. It can be involved in and cause serious conditions such as cancer, heart disease, and stroke. Phlegm is at the same time a pathological condition and an etiological factor. In other words, etiological means a causative factor, as it can be retained over a long period of time, and become a cause of disease. So it is a disease, it's a pathological condition, but it can also cause other pathological diseases as well, such as cancer. You know, phlegm in and of itself is not gonna be cause of a cancer, but phlegm that's been there for a long time, mixed in with blood stasis potentially and some other things, then we have the potential for a cancer to form. The main cause for the formation of phlegm is spleen deficiency. So spleen is a very interesting organ. It's probably a f- um, one of the more important organs. I mean, you can make the case that every organ is important, but spleen is where we get what we call our post heaven chi. So this is very important for in Chinese medicine. And if you're really into Western medicine, you might be scratching your head, it's like spleen, that important? And the reality is, from a Western point of view, the spleen is not an incredibly important. It's it's part of the immune system, it's part of the lymphatic system, and is is useful in that. But we, you know, we can take out the spleen in Western medicine and not worry about it at all. But in Chinese medicine, spleen is incredibly important, is actually considered the main digestive organ. Now, if you're thinking this from a Western point of view, you're scratching your head. Like the spleen has zero, no effect on digestion whatsoever, according to Western medicine. But in Chinese medicine, there's no such thing as a pancreas. In fact, there is a a Chinese book uh, around the 1600s that describes the tail of the spleen. If you know the spleen, what it looks like, it looks like an oddly shaped balloon. There's no tail to it whatsoever. But right below it is the pancreas, which is very triangular-shaped and could be considered a tail. So when we are talking about the spleen in Chinese medicine, we're talking about spleen pancreas complex and then if you look at the pancreas and its role in digestion you very easily understand why if we are putting those two together in chinese medicine why the spleen is so important for digestion uh, in, in chinese medicine because the pancreas of course does all the enzymes that break down the food without the pancreas uh, you need to supplement those enzymes which we can do these days not not perfectly but we can do pretty well um but you will not survive without a pancreas. You can't eat without a pancreas, uh, at least you know for that, you know most of human history. So, spleen deficiency involves the pancreas as part of this whole process, and that makes a bit more sense when we're talking about it as a digestive organ. So, when it's deficient, it's not doing its job well. And if it's not doing its job well, then things aren't moving and digesting and things along those lines, and that's what we do that's when phlegm comes in one of the roles of the spleen is something called transform and transport body fluids again this is a very chinese concept um, but when the spleen is deficient it fails to transform these and transport these body fluids and they accumulate and change over time into phlegm so initially we, we often will say there will be a damp forming, which is sort of a stagnation of these body fluids, but as they congeal and there's a little bit of heat and it starts to get a little bit thicker, then we get into phlegm. So dampness will go into phlegm over time. And that's what we're talking about here. The lungs and kidneys are also involved in the formation of phlegm. If the lungs fail to diffuse and make fluids descend, and if the kidneys fail to transform and excrete fluids, these may accumulate into phlegm as well. The essential signs of phlegm are swollen tongue body, a sticky tongue coating, and a slippery or wiry pulse. So these are all, again, sort of technical Chinese terms. So swollen tongue body means it's exactly what it sounds like. It's fat. It's a big tongue. Uh, often we'll, we'll talk about um, scallops on the side of the tongue because the tongue is so large it presses up against the teeth and it scallops the edges of the of the tongue. A sticky tongue coating is indicative of dampness and phlegm. So sticky is, a, you know, there's no, you just look at a bunch of tongues and you realize what's a sticky tongue, you know, a sticky tongue coating. And the slippery or wiry pulse, so sli- these are technical pulse descriptions. Uh, a slippery pulse is often described as a pearl, a string of pearls being pulled on over pulled under your, under your fingertips. So it, it's very rounded and smooth and not exactly a normal pulse. It's, it's a little bit too rounded. Um, and that's a slippery pulse. A wiry pulse, I've heard it described several different ways. One of my, my pulse mentors said it's when all three positions, we, we, we do the pulse in three different positions, all three positions hit the, the, the fingertips at the same time. Others talk about it as like a, a guitar string, um, though the differences between wiry pulse and tight pulse can be a little bit difficult to, to really suss out sometimes. But a wiry pulse is a common pulse and can be indicative of a phlegm as well. Other symptoms may include a feeling of oppression of the chest, nausea, a feeling of heaviness, a feeling of muzziness or fuzziness of the head, and dizziness. These are all signs of phlegm. Other signs of chronic phlegm include lack of luster, and w- it has here in parentheses shen. Again, these are quotes from Acciocha, Um, and and shen is translated often as spirit. And so when we say lack of luster or shen of the eyes, what we're saying is the eyes are dull. Um, we, we often will look in the eyes to see if there's shen or spirit behind them. And it's, it's, it's again, one of those concepts when you look at hundreds of eyes, you kind of get the point where you know when when there's shen behind it and when there isn't but trying to describe it is for me not easy to do i'm not a very visual person so it's hard for me to um to describe this sort of things but that's what we're talking about sort of lack of luster or shen of the eyes dark eye sockets corners of the eyes have very slight cracks with exudate so exudate in general is a sign of phlegm potentially a sign of phlegm sallow complexion so sort of a a white-yellow complexion, swollen body, puffy face. Obesity is just in and of itself a potential sign for phlegm. Though I wouldn't say obesity means phlegm, I would say that phlegm can engender obesity would be a better way to say it. So you can be obese and not have lots of phlegm, though you definitely, in all likelihood, have a propensity towards it. Greasy skin, sweaty external genitalia, Axillae or palms and soles. Uh, so, so sweaty axilla, which is below, is, is your underarm or palms and soles. Enlarged fingers and toes and thick thumbs. So just a general swelling sort of idea here. Some sayings and findings about phlegm, including these are again all from, from Machiocha. Phlegm is a yin pathogenic factor and it injures yang. We have talked about yin and yang previously. So it's, a, it's important for us to understand this, that it's a pathology of yin that injures yang. And that makes sense because yin are our fluids. So if there's something wrong with the fluids like there is in phlegm, it's, it's certainly going to affect yin. Phlegm is sticky and obstructs the qi mechanism. So things don't move smoothly as they should. Phlegm causes lumps so lots of um you know what we'd say maybe um uh, nodules in the body could be phlegm uh, related and often phlegm is associated with those from a chinese perspective phlegm flows and moves always changing in other words just when you think you have it nailed down it it ends up somewhere else phlegm often harbors stasis so phlegm is sort of because it obstructs that qi mechanism it prevents the smooth flow of qi and can harbor, can cause stasis or stagnation. Phlegm is the origin of many diseases. Many diseases have phlegm. It's a very Chinese construct. So um, phlegm is involved in a lot of things. Phlegm easily damages the stomach and spleen because those are the digestive organs and phlegm will, will, will interfere with proper digestion. And phlegm easily mixes with other pathogenic factors, so you'll often get combinations of things. So um, it's common, like with cancer, you know, more often than not, it's a combination of phlegm and blood stasis and cheese stagnation, all these sort of things in a, in a big ball. Um, so it mixes relatively easily with other pathogenic factors. So according to Maciocha, here are some important guidelines involving phlegm. In strange diseases, treat phlegm. This refers to complicated clinical patterns with symptoms and signs that do not seem to fit into any pattern. So if you don't know what you're looking at, think phlegm. In complicated syndromes, treat phlegm. I, I like this. One of my, my rules, my personal rules clinically, is if something is very complicated, treat it very simply. In other words, don't treat complex situations with complex uh, you know, treatments, you want it simple. you want the body's getting mixed up with a lot of different I- different uh, messages. Give it one simple message. And more than not, you know phlegm is a great simple message to, to give in that scenario. So in complicated syndromes, forget everything else. just treat phlegm because once phlegm starts to go, everything else will unwind itself, it'll become unstuck. In acute serious diseases, treat phlegm. So examples include wind stroke, which is what we call in Chinese medicine a a cerebral vascular accident or a stroke, an actual stroke, but we call it a wind stroke, heart infarction, which is a heart attack, and cancer. So in acute serious diseases, treat phlegm. So they will be involved in a lot of those very serious diseases. And finally, if you see phlegm, treat phlegm. And what that means is, um, when you see phlegm, that means physically see phlegm. If you are coughing up phlegm and things along those lines, treat phlegm. Phlegm is interesting. We didn't actually get into it in this little thing, but we call there's two types of phlegm in in Chinese uh, medicine. We call it substantial phlegm and insubstantial phlegm. So substantial phlegm is that phlegm you can see, and that is phlegm as we're discussing here. But then we also have this sort of insubstantial phlegm that is is more of a theoretical medical construct in my mind than an actual physical thing. Um, I think it, it's, it's a very useful construct and I do that, but that's what we're talking about with these complicated cases, these serious diseases, is probably more of that insubstantial phlegm rather than anything substantial that uh, you will see. It is obvious from this short introduction that phlegm is an important pathogen in Chinese medicine. And that leads us to today's formula Ur er, Tong. It is not only it's not the only formula for phlegm, but it is among the most important, and many of the other phlegm formulas are based on this one formula. So without further ado, let's get into urchin tong. So remember with formulas, I have two major textbooks that I, I work out of, and then of course I supplement those with lots of other sources. Uh, the first of those is Shide and his team, and this is uh, a very foundational book. It's the one; it's a, it's an update, but it's the one that I learned when you know going through formulas in, in Chinese medical school. And uh, he talks about, or that team talks about, the name of Erchen Tong. Uh, the name of this for this is a quote. The name of this formula indicates that the two chief herbs, unlike most other herbs become more effective when they have been stored for some time because this makes their action less harsh. As noted in medical formulas collected and analyzed, aged citri reticulate pericarpium, or Chen P, and Pinellia rhizoma preparatum sal are highly valued because there's no worry about their drying and dispersing natures. So these are both drying and dispersing, but if they're aged, cured, quote, aged or cured, then they become less dispersing and drying and are are highly valued. Hence the formula has two aged in its name. So that's where we're coming from. That's why the names of of, of the formula is that they're aged to prevent too much drying and dispersing in these two herbs. And we're gonna find out those are two very important herbs in this formula. Other names for this formula are urchen wan. Tiang means decoction, wan means pill. So Erchen wan means two cured pill or two, two aged pills. You might also see the same exact urchen tang, but spelled E-R-H rather than E-R. Um, again, the same thing It's just a different way of, of translating a Chinese character into Latinized alphabet. And so um, they're both, er, it's the exact same word, just one, I think, is Wade Giles, and the other one's definitely pinyin. you also be called two-chen decoction or pill, two-vintage herbs decoction, and sometimes in a pure uh, English translation, citrus and pinellia combination, citrus being that chen Pi that we were talking about and pinellia being that Sha that we're going to get into, uh, so citrus and pinellia combination. This formula is in the category of formulas that dry dampness and transform phlegm. So you noticed in my my conversation about phlegm, I I mentioned dampness quite a bit because dampness is on a continuum. I like to say it's on a continuum of phlegm at one end. There's dampness on the other end. There's very congealed, solid phlegm. And in between those two is a continuum. So we often will treat both at the same time. So formulas that dry dampness and transform phlegm. And Chen and Chen, which is the other textbook that I use, put translates this as damp drying and phlegm dissolving formula. So similar but slightly different translation. Scheid says this formula dries dampness, transforms phlegm, regulates the qi, and harmonizes the middle burner middle burner. So these are all very Chinese uh, concept, you know, uh, Chinese related concepts. So dries dampness makes a lot of sense if you're drying phlegm you're 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 drying down It transforms phlegm rather than dry this this word transform has some really interesting connotations to it but the idea is we're we're, we're changing phlegm into something that's a little bit more uh easier for the body to deal with regulates the qi which means it moves the qi and phlegm is going to stop qi from moving so that's a really important concept here and harmonizes the middle burner. The middle burner is where our digestive organs are. That's where the liver is as well. And this is, um, you know, helps the liver a little bit too. That regulate the qi is often an, an issue around the liver because the liver moves, his job is to move qi. So harmonizes the middle burner, kind of make sure that everything's in harmony in that middle burner. So that's a really positive sort of thing. Chen Chen very similarly says, it dries dampness and dissolves phlegm. And regulates qi and harmonizes the middle jiao or burner jiao is just the chinese term for burner so very 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 similar actions between the two books which doesn't always happen so when it does you go wow okay interesting so those are the chinese those were the chinese medical actions for this formula and then there now we talk about the indications so these are kind of the um, the actions are what the formula does the indications are what how what we'll see, in, uh, what we see in a patient before we think about using this formula. So it's, it's sort of a different perspective on it. So Scheid and his team says, this formula can be used for, quote, coughing with copious white sputum that is easily expectorated, focal distension and a stifling sensation in the chest and diaphragm, palpitations or an unusual awareness of your heartbeat, nausea or vomiting, dizziness, A white, moist, or greasy tongue coating. Remember I said one of the signs of phlegm is a sticky tongue coating. Another way we say that in Chinese medicine is greasy. And I kind of like greasy, makes it a little bit easier for me to visualize what the tongue looks like. So greasy tongue coating and a slippery pulse. We mentioned that slippery pulse earlier when we were talking about phlegm. They continue, this is a phlegm dampness pattern, usually caused when the spleen and lungs fail to transform and transport the fluids which thereupon accumulate and form phlegm. The accumulation of phlegm damnus in turn encumbers the spleen, bogs it down basically, which further impedes the transportation of fluids. They continue phlegm obstructs the qi mechanisms of the middle burner, which manifests as focal distension Uh, so a, a feeling of bloating, sort of focal distension, and a stifling sensation in the chest and diaphragm and palpitations. Phlegm follows the flow of qi upward to the lungs, where it interferes with its qi mechanisms and produces coughing. Because the process that generates the phlegm is one caused by excess dampness, the sputum is copious, white, and easily expectorated. Phlegm also interferes with the normal descent of the stomach qi, which leads to nausea or vomiting. The presence of phlegm in the middle burner obstructs the ascent of the clear yang and causes dizziness. The slippery pulse and the white, moist, or greasy tongue coating are indicative of phlegm dampness. So lots of technical sort of terms in there, um, but uh, I, I think even if you're not super technical in the Chinese medical terminology, it still makes generally a, a, good, uh, a good deal of sense in how this happens chen and chen state it can be used for damp phlegm accumulation uh, including profuse white sputum that can be easily expectorated so very s- same thing as Shide as and his team feeling of distension and a stifling sensation in the chest and epigastrium nausea vomiting lassitude so just a general feeling of of not wanting to do much lassitude uh, weak extremities possible vertigo Palpitations, white, moist tongue coating, and a slippery pulse. So very similar, slightly different, uh, very slightly different, but but very similar in, in how it describes what's going on. Let's talk a little bit about the history of Erchen Tong. So, Shide and his team says the source for this formula is the Formulary of the Pharmacy Service for Benefiting the People in the Taiping Era, from 1148. Keep that that date in mind. 1148. Chen and Chen. Say the formula was first mentioned in the Taiping Hui Min Hu Ji Ju Feng, and they translated Imperial Grace Formulary of the Taiping Era. These are the same book, exactly the same book. Um, different translations of the Chinese. So, but here's the thing: is they say it's it was written in 1078 to 85, while Scheidt says it was written in 1148. So there's there's you know 70 years difference there. That's a big difference and and when this is and of course that could be a historical you know history doesn't know and we're exactly where it is and they have different sources but what's even more interesting is is let's go on these both refer to the same book but they have different translations and dates ascribed to it in fact scheid in the back of the book so so scheid's interesting when they when they're talking about which book it first appeared and it just gives the english which is what i have here the formulary of the pharmacy service for benefiting the people in the typing era but in the back of the book it lists the actual chinese book and so i looked that up it was the exact same chinese name that's why i could say this is the same book but what was very interesting is when it quoted it for this formula it said it was written in 1148 when i looked in the back it said it was from 1107 so you know almost 40 years earlier um and that gives us a third date for when this book is so we have for this book 1078 to 85 1107 and 1148 so there's a 70 year pocket window here where this this book came out um you know these days that's probably not a huge issue it's over a thousand it's about a thousand years old give or take um a little less but in in that 900 uh in 950 years old um doesn't really matter 50 70 years probably not but i just thought it was interesting that um, we couldn't even pin down an exact date as to when this book was written and again it's a thousand years so let's get into the ingredients of this. And there are four main ingredients and then a couple others that may or may not be um, included. And we'll talk about all that. So the first ingredient is that Penelia. The, the Latin is Penelia rhizoma preparatum, uh, which actually means prepared rhizo- uh, rhizome of Penelia. penelia. Uh, and in Chinese, this is Jir, Ban, Sha, all fourth tones in the Chinese there. And you use a pretty hefty dose of this in this case, 15 grams. Uh, and this is from the this this herb is from the category of herbs of warm herbs that transform cold phlegm. So again, we good phlegm transforming sort of herb here. And this is one of uh, one of the chief herbs, according to scheid. It dries dampness, expels phlegm, and causes the rebellious stomach chi to descend, according to scheid. Chen Chen says it is the sole chief. So there is only one chief, and this is it, herb of this formula. So, we again, we, we break down formulas into different um, categories. And this is the chief herb or emperor herb, sometimes it's translated as. And it's, and they say its acrid and warm properties can dissolve phlegm, dry dampness, and open pathways for the qi to flow. So that sounds like it takes care of a lot alone. This takes care of a lot of what the, the formula is, actions are. Uh, and that that's why it's the chief herb. Let's move on to the second herb. And this herb is a little controversial. So citri reticulate exocarpium rubrum, which is Chu hong both first tone, uh, second tone, excuse me, both second tone. And again, 15 grams of this. Again, not a bad dose, but a little hefty. But We're going to find out when the decoctions, we, we lower the dose a little bit. We'll talk about that in just a minute. With preparations. So, um, this is from the herbs that regulate the qi. So, this is very good for helping that. Remember, phlegm obstructs the qi mechanism. Regulating the qi is how you deal with that obstruction. So, Scheid and his team say the other chief ingredient is juhong or citri reticulatae pericarpium chen pi. So, here's the other thing. So, juhong, chen pi. I've mentioned chen pi a couple times already. Traditionally, it's juhong. We're going to talk about why there may be a bit of a difference between those two in just a minute. Uh, And so uh, the other chief ingredient is Zhuhong or Chen Pi, whose fragrance revives the spleen and facilitates the flow of qi in the middle burner. Its acrid flavor disperses clumped qi, while its bitter warmth disperses cold and dries dampness. So again, we have some some damp drying there, which is useful for this formula, and it disperses qi, it regulates qi. That's very useful for this formula. Chen Chen says it activates and regulates qi to remove residual phlegm and dampness. So again very similar uh, to to that. Now Chen and Chen, be honestly, so Scheid is, is usually very and their team is very specific about what is the Emperor Herb or the Chief Herb and what are the envoys and deputies and assistant herbs. Chen and Chen is a little bit looser with that. They often will say what the Chief Herb or what they think the Chief Herb is, but not say what the rest of the herbs are. And that's fine it, this is controversial and different sources will give you different chiefs and different assistants and different deputies and so it's controversial in general um, we always had to memorize it for our our board exams uh, it was the one thing i didn't really do a lot of, uh, of uh, brain space with just because each book kind of said something a little different and i just felt it was just not something that was worth memorizing and still to this day one of my mentors or her mentors really really Great at herbs, um, Bob Robert Demoni. Bob Demoni um, was really disliked this as as a as an approach to to understanding formulas. So I'm I'm kind of in that camp of things these days. So that was the second herb. Our third herb is Poria or fooling. We need nine grams of this, and this is from this is not just from it's probably the the big herb in the category of drained dampness herbs, just like Chen Pi is the big herb in, in regulate Qi herbs uh, and gerban and Sha is the big herb in, in warm, uh, and warm cold phlegm herbs. So these are all big herbs in Chinese medicine. So um, Fu Ling Poria, uh, Scheid states that this is the deputy herb and supports the actions of the chief ingredients by leaching out dampness from the middle burner and strengthening the spleen. It also resolves the palpitations and dizziness caused by the upward rising phlegm dampness. Chen Chen says it strengthens the spleen and dispels dampness. And those really are the functions of fooling. Fu so very strong in those functions as well. Very good. So it's dampness rather than phlegm. But remember, um, it's on a continuum. So draining damp is going to help the phlegm as well. Next up, and our our fourth of the, the four big ones is glitzerutzerae radix preparata or prepared licorice root. And Chinese for this is jigan sao. We need 4.5 grams of this. And this is from herbs that tonify cheese. So that's a little bit different than what we've been doing so far. Scheid and his team says, say this is an assistant herb that tonifies the spleen. So it kind of assists everything, but it's not main in the functions. Chen Chen say it harmonizes all of the herbs and regulates the lung and spleen. So it's an interesting herb. Very, 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 I would say this is probably the most used herb in Chinese medicine. So super important herb. And it's often put into formulas to do that harmonizing. It has this ability to harmonize other herbs. So it's often in in it for that, that rationale. So there we go, those are the four big ones. So we're gonna take a little step off now from talking about the ingredients specifically, and we're gonna talk a little bit about preparation, and then we're gonna get back to the the last two potential ingredients here. So let's do that. So standard preparation, and by standard, I kinda mean traditional. Traditional preparation for this formula is to grind these four ingredients and take 12 grams as a draft so a draft is basically um there's a couple ways i i you can put it in hot water and then drink drink it um, or the other thing is you just put the powder and then and then wash it down with some hot water so that's a draft so 12 grams as a draft with seven pieces of zingiberis rhizoma recens or shenjiang, which is fresh ginger so seven pieces so when we say a piece we're really talking about a quarter size piece maybe a little thicker than a quarter so that's a lot of ginger so you're supposed to take it as a draft with that and one piece of mume fructus or wume, which is a um, uh, dried plum basically uh, and that's that's mume fructus and, and by dried plum it's a specific you know species of plum uh, that's used for that so those are the two other herbs that we haven't mentioned yet is fresh ginger and this wumei or, or plum we're going to get into those in just a minute what they can do but here's the reason why i'm kind of doing it this way most modern renditions of this formula do not include these two additions. and replaces that citri reticulate ex, ex, uh, exocarpium rubrum the juhong with citri reticulate pericarpium or chenpi generally um, chenpi is much more readily available it's not as expensive juhong isn't that expensive Chenpi is getting more expensive, but still, it's not bad. Um, so we generally use Chenpi, and of course, when I'm going through this, I'm like, why would we do that? It's just so basically, so I looked it up Ju Hong according to Bensky, uh, which is you know one of the main texts for individual herbs is, and his team, Bensky and his team, is more drying and aromatic than Chenpi, but less effective in harmonizing the middle and regulating the stomach and spleen. So if you have a lot of Fluids, you might want to be a little bit better with the juhong. but if you want to do more of the harmonizing and regulating aspects, you want more of the Chen Pi. And so, generally, I think modern prescriptions are more on the Chen Pi side of things with this, uh, and that happens a lot. You know, the, the herbs' uh, properties will change over thousands of years as these have been cultivated and, and used. And so, uh, in general, we use Chen Pi today rather than Ju Hong. Even though traditionally, Hong is the proper herb to use. And finally, if we are making a decoction out of these, out of this formula, we should reduce the doses I just gave you by, by a third. So instead of fifteen grams of jujube, we, we we should be using ten grams, and that's a more traditional um, uh, amount. Same with. It was 15 grams for Chen Pi, and, and we should use 10 grams. And, and usually we use, um, we, for some reason, traditionally, because of the way it breaks down, we usually use things in 6 or 9 grams in 3-gram in increments. So 9 grams is a typical dose for both of those herbs. So 10 grams, you know, a lot of people will just say 10 grams, and that's fine. So right in there. So that's, that's what we'd use in a decoction, which is boiling the herbs, draining them, and then drinking the, the, the liquid that's left over. That's a decoction. All right, so back to those last two ingredients, uh, Zingiberis rhizoma recens, Shenjiang, which, like I said, is not used uh, necessarily in modern formulations of this, though it can be, and there's no reason not to. And this is from the warm acrid herbs that release the exterior uh, category of herbs. So not really on the surface a, a, a category of herbs that we think would be relevant for phlegm, but it's useful here. And, and Scheid says it's an envoy herb, so they say, um, may be added as an envoy to reinforce the actions of the chief herbs in moving the qi and eliminating the phlegm, harmonizing the stomach, and controlling the nausea. So ginger is great for nausea, and it's it's another harmonizing herb. You know, we, we have three herbs that we say are harmonizing, and often all three are in a formula. That's ginger, licorice, as we already mentioned, and and Chinese dates, dad is the third one. Um, so... Uh, those are often, in a, those are in a lot of formulas to do this harmonizing and to make sure the other uh, herbs are done well. And one of the things we're going to find out is gerbon chow, the, the penelia, is a toxic, er- toxic herb, which is why we prepare it to, to minimize that toxi- toxins in that herb. But it's also why we might want to have some harmonizing herbs to kind of smooth out the toxins in that we often will do that harmonizing. is very useful as a, as a way to deal with toxic herbs. Chen says this herb relieves nausea and vomiting by guiding stomach chi downward and helps to detoxify the zhirban sha. So um, that's an interest, that penelia. In fact, prepared penelia often uses ginger juice in the preparation, so it makes sense that that would be in line here. So that's that's our, our uh, fresh ginger. Let's move on to the mume fructus or the wume. Or Mm -hmm. which is uh, plum, is dried plum, it's one piece. This is an herb that's in stabilize and bind, which on the surface, again, you would not want to use in a phlegm condition. Phlegm is a binding pathogen. You don't want to bind something when you have phlegm. So this is interesting that this is used in this formula. So let's figure out why that might be the case. And actually it, it shows a very traditional sort of approach to a formula. So according to Scheid and his team, it counterbalances the dispersing tendencies of the chief ingredients and thereby prevents the dissipation of lung chi. Its astringent nature also acts to collect the phlegm together before it can be eliminated. Chen Chen says, since patients with this syndrome already have qi deficiency, a very small amount, and this is a small amount, of wume is used to astringe the lung to prevent qi loss. The restraining effect of wume also balances the dispersing nature of jirban Sha, thereby minimizing the potential side effects of both herbs. So that's really how we look at this, is just to make sure we don't go too far in one direction with the other herbs. And we do that a lot in formulas. Is we'll we'll, com- we'll throw in something that's the exact opposite of what we're trying to accomplish, just to make sure that we don't, um, what I, I like to say is um, herbs and formulas can be very Pushy in their actions, and in, in other words, an acupuncture, if you get an acupuncture point wrong, it's usually okay. the the the, the body kind of you know knows what it's doing, and it's not. It, it, acupuncture to me is not a pushy modality, but herbs can be very pushy. In other words, even if you your body doesn't want something to occur, an herb can push it to do that anyways, and it can cause more harm. And in fact, if you look at the history of herbs, there's a lot uh, of history that says. Uh, my, my, er, my book is a is an antidote to what everyone else is doing wrong you know in in chinese herbology because they are pushy you can cause things to go bad and so that's why throwing a little bit of the opposite of what you're trying to do is is very regulatory and kind of prevents too much pushiness in an herbal formula and this is a relatively pushy herbal formula so this wume kind of balances out a little bit it balances out a little bit which i really like there's lots of commentary about this formula. Um, Scheid has a very long commentary, I'm not talking about all of I'm not having included all that, but I've included some of it that I wanted to talk about here. And uh, this is from Scheid. A lot of it is quotes from Scheid, and of course I'll throw in my own comments as we go along. So um, Scheid and, and his team says this formula serves as the foundation for literally dozens of other formulas that address the problem of phlegm. Again, as I said, this is a foundational formula, so that that's it. They continue, the close connection between spleen deficiency and phlegm is illustrated by the fact that with the addition of ginseng radix, ren shen, and attractor lotus macrocephalae rhizoma, or baiju, this formula is transformed into six-gentleman decoction, or Junzitong, one of my favorite formulas, um, which is one of the principal formulas for tonifying the qi. So in other words, all you do is add in two qi tonifiers, and now this is a qi tonifying formula, a relatively balanced qi tonifier. In terms of its functions, however, Er Erchen Tong is a qi-regulating formula and is thus indicated for excess patterns following a famous adage first expressed by Pang An Chang in indispensable tools for pattern treatment. He says, experts in treating phlegm treat the qi, not the phlegm. Once the qi is normalized, the fluids of the entire body follow the qi and are also normalized. That's a very interesting concept. So don't treat the phlegm, treat the qi. Interesting. Historically, this formula can be viewed as a combination of minor Penelia plus Poria decoction, or Xiao Xia Jia Fuling Tong, and Penelia and Magnolia Bark Decoction, or Banxia Hopo Tong, from Essentials from the Golden Cabinet. So Essentials from the Golden, Golden Cabinet, is along, um, which is part of the same book as the Shang Han um they were split into two books later on in history but they were originally one book that is the first existing book on formulas so this is a combination of two very old formulas both of these are chi regulating formulas the former treating phlegm and thin mucus in the epigastrium and diaphragmatic region and the latter treating chi stagnation leading to phlegm in the throat and chest so interesting so this They're chi movers, but again, it goes to that idea of if you move the chi, the phlegm will move as well. Other physicians expanded the use of this formula to include such diverse problems as excessive drooling in children, diarrhea, stomach pain, insomnia, as well as hypersomnia, so too little, you know, not being able to sleep, and too much sleep, menstrual disorders, infertility, and emotional constraint, to name but a few. That this formula is at the most fundamental level for regulating the qi dynamic and fluid, metali- me fluid metabolism can also be seen in its putatively less important ingredients, the assistant and envoy herbs. There you go. They continue. Several commentators, such as Chen Yan Zhu in Compendium of Songs on Modern Formulas and Tong Zong Hai in Discussion of Blood Patterns, argue that. Because all phlegm is a pathological transformation of water, ling should be viewed as the main herb in this formula. Interesting. Considering just the relative dosage of the ingredients, this is probably incorrect. In other words, we'd expect a higher dose of ling if that were the, the case here. But it does point to the importance in the treatment of phlegm disorders of reordering the fluid metabolism throughout the triple burner. Again, triple burner is an interesting organ in Chinese medicine that does not have any corollary in Western medicine. And usually, I think the easiest way to, to kind of think of the triple burner is that its, it's um, most important function is in fluid metabolism and moving qi and fluids around in the, in the main body. At some point, we'll, we'll have a big discussion on the triple burner, which I'm not looking forward to because it's a, it's a tough concept because we don't have any corollaries in Western medicine so scheid and his team continues this applies as well to the use of shen and wu mei some writers such as wang ang in medical formulas collected and analyzed and the authors of the 1964 standard textbook chinese medical formulas consider these herbs superfluous in other words not necessary but others such as Li fei and his colleagues in the most recent edition of formulas instead define them as exemplars of the subtleties of classical formula composition and that they focus on the lungs rather than the spleen had a second prong to the regulation of qi and fluids. An interesting combat between different commentators. The acrid warming nature of Shenjiang promotes the qi dynamic and thereby helps to eliminate pathological fluids. Wu Mei balances this dispersing action of the, of the main herbs by means of its sourness while com- compensating for the loss of pathological fluids, through coughing, increased urination, and sweating, by protecting and generating physiological fluids. So, in other words, it's compensating for patholo- loss of pathological fluids by protecting and generating normal or physiological fluids. So, very interesting, very subtle, complex formula. I love these small formulas that have a lot of different layers to them, and this is definitely one of those formulas. Chen Chen also has some commentary on this formula and says, Erchen Tong is the basic formula for treating damp phlegm. According to traditional Chinese medicine theory, the spleen sends up clear fluids to the upper jowl or upper burner. Uh, Remember, there's three burners. There's the upper, upper, middle, and lower. If this function is impaired, dampness may accumulate in the spleen and create phlegm. Thus, damp phlegm syndromes usually result from spleen deficiency or dysfunction. If the spleen is deficient and full of dampness its functions of transportation and transformation will be impaired which will lead to insufficient supply of nutrients to the body and the extremities the result will be lassitude and weak extremities the lung on the other hand stores phlegm phlegm accumulation in the lung manifests as coughing with profuse sputum the feeling of distension and oppression in the chest An epigastrium arises as a result of damp phlegm obstructing the chest. Nausea and vomiting are due to damp phlegm obstructing stomach qi and causing it to rise abnormally. If damp phlegm affects the ascent of yang qi, then palpitations and vertigo can occur. So interesting commentaries that kind of suss out and help explain why this formula works in the way it does let's talk about modifications many many modifications as well as important derivative formulas are based on this formula as mentioned si- six gentleman decoction Leo jenzitong is a major and important derived formula interesting warm gallbladder decoction or wendong Tang) actually predates urchin Tang, but has similar ingredients it's not as specific for damp phlegm it's very useful formula for a lot of reasons but not for the exact same reasons for I- urchin tongue. Shide and his team list several associated formulas, including six gentlemen of metal and water decoction, or Jin Shui Leo Jun Zhe, Jian. Regulate the middle and transform phlegm pill, or zhong Hua Tan Wan. Six Serenity decoction, or Leo An Jian. An augmented two aged herb decoction, or Jia Wei urchin tongue. Uh, we'll, we'll see Jia quite a bit and that just just literally means additions and subtractions and, and it's often translated as augmented so changed chen chen also has several related formulae uh, these include Dao Tan tong or guide out phlegm decoction a much stronger formula for eliminating phlegm di Tan tong Scour phlegm decoction eliminates phlegm and opens the sensory orifices. So one of the things that phlegm can do is is dull the orifices or block, mist the orifices. And that's not a good thing. That's um, often uh, goes down into mania and and schizophrenia. So we we wanna make sure those orifices are open. Uh, So deton tongue, scour phlegm decoction is is useful for that. It's used mostly for post-stroke patients with a stiff tongue and speech difficulties. So those when those, orifices are, are blocked that has very similar, you know, I said mania and, and schizophrenia, but also st- post-stroke as well. urch Erchen Tonga are two-cured decoction with orantium and cardamom. Eliminates phlegm, regulates cheese circulation, and relieves pain. It treats severe radiating pain in the chest with violent nausea and vomiting. So those are associated formula according to Chen. Chen. Uh, comparisons. Let's compare these to a couple other formulas and, and we're going to compare some of these. So, both guide out phlegm decoction, Dao Tan Tang, which we just mentioned, and Urchin Tang, uh, according to Shai, treat patterns caused by phlegm dampness obstructing the Qi dynamic. But while Dao Tan Tang is a base formula that can be modified according to the precise manifestations, Urchin Tang is for conditions with more severe phlegm and constriction of Qi. Which may suddenly discharge as wind, causing collapse or manifest with wind like symptoms such as headache and dizziness. We're not going to talk, we've talked about wind in previous uh, Spur herbs, but we won't talk about that here. What's interesting about this is Chen and Chen disagree with this and actually believe Dao Tan Tang is a much stronger formula than Urchin Tang. So we have battles of the textbooks here. One textbook says it's, the Urchin Tang is stronger, the other textbook says Dao Tan Tang is stronger. It's very interesting. I'm not going to be the one to referee that, but I um, always love to find these discrepancies. Always spurs further research, not necessarily right now, but in general. I've had patients, I'm trying to decide between these two formulas. So that's really the main comparison here. Some biomedical indications for this this formula uh, is used for several biomedical conditions, including chronic bronchitis meniere's disease and pleurisy if you're not familiar with meniere's disease this is uh tinnitus you know a, a ringing in the ears uh along with uh, nausea and vomiting uh, and and dizziness so that's Meniere's. a very disconcerting disease not a fun disease and difficult to actually treat because phlegm is difficult to treat so this is could be useful for that and pleurisy is painful um, the pleura are what line the inside of the lung and the outside of, uh, inside of the lung space and the outside of the actual lung. And when that gets inflamed, you have pleurisy, which can be very painful. Chen Chen say it can treat upper respiratory tract infection, bronchitis, tracheitis, or uh, infection or inflammation of the trachea, emphysema, gastritis, peptic ulcer disease, gastrointestinal neurosis, nausea, vomiting, Goiter, which is, you know, the thyroid, Meniere's disease again, seizures, and hangovers, that this could be useful for treating hangovers. That's interesting. So a quick look at the science. I I did do a brief, uh, you know, uh, uh, review of the literature on it. Didn't come up with much with this formula. Um, Chen Chen uh, lists some, some Chinese studies in their textbook. And... Uh, showed some benefit to the following conditions: uh, bronchitis, bronchiolitis, atrophic gastritis, diabetes mellitus with a diagnosis of damp heat, seizures, and goiter as well. So goiter, they only had seven. That's not stat- statistically valid. The rest of these aren't huge numbers. Um, I put the n values, which is the number of subjects behind these. So um, you know they range from seven to 128. So they're not huge numbers. Uh, 128 was an atrophic gastritis, um, so those are interesting. I think they point in a direction, but aren't definitive. You know, I wouldn't necessarily treat these conditions just based on these studies, but it's an interesting look at them. There are a couple drug herb interactions to be aware of. If you are going to use that ginger, ginger potentially interferes with anticoagulants. Uh, that was a sea level study, so. You know, in humans, but relatively low level for humans. It also appears to inhibit cytochrome P450, 2C9, 2C19, and 3A4. If you don't know what that means, that's fine. That's technical. And I, I put it in there um, for those who have been through my drug herb interaction course. They'll understand that. Um, gonsal, uh licorice, may increase blood pressure. That's fairly well established, even though this is level C evidence. There's other... Indications that is higher than that. It's, it's definitely well established that it can increase blood pressure on its own um, But here in a formula like this, especially when there's a lot of drainage happening Probably not gonna ha- affect it too much, but something to be aware of and GonCell may also induce cytochrome P450 2C9 and 3A4 um, So again not gonna get too much into the cytochrome P450s, but useful for drug herb interaction risks Concerns there are concerns about this formula Scheidt and his team say the improper dose of this formula can lead to excessive thirst and a dry throat. Without modification, it is contraindicated for cases with cough associated with lung yin deficiency. So if you have not enough fluids, your yin is deficient, this is going to drain fluids, So you want to be cautious with that, really cautious with that, or contraindicated. However, in their commentary of this formula, they say the main herb in this formula is intensely drying and therefore contraindicated in patterns characterized by a lack of body fluids. Okay, so this supports the yin thing. However, we're going to get to the however in just a minute. Traditionally, therefore, Xurban cha is said to be contraindicated for patterns characterized by thirst, and many physicians prefer to use herbs like Fritillaria bulbus or beimu and Trichosanthus radix, Tianhua fen, in these cases. So those are um, formu- those are herbs that also drain phlegm but aren't quite as dry as the Xurban cha. They summarized their concerns by saying, although it is probably inadvisable to use this formula in cases of yin deficiency, as we mentioned, characterized by a severe lack of fluids, dryness alone is not a contraindication. This is because phlegm itself generates dryness, partly by obstructing the movement of qi and fluids, and partly by being itself the pathological product of those body fluids that withdraws their moisture from the body. Transforming and eliminating phlegm thus has the ability to moisten, while both zhirvan and urchin tongue are often combined with moistening and blood tonifying herbs. So it's not an absolute contraindication, but it certainly is a, a caution if someone's dry or yin deficient. Chen Chen echo some of these concerns. Urchin tongue is acrid and drying is not suitable by, for cough caused by lung yin deficiency or lung dryness. Similarly, this formula should not be used if the patient has scanty sputum, blood-streaked sputum, or coughing with blood. This formula is acrid, warm, and drying. Short-term use of this formula may be associated with dry mouth and thirst. Long-term use may cause consumption of yin and body fluids. This is probably not a long-term formula. It's like get rid of the phlegm and move on. That could be a little bit difficult. It can take a little while, but that's generally where we want to go with this. All right, so those are the concerns. Let's summarize what we've got here. So that was today's formula, Erchen Tong, an excellent and foundational formula for treating phlegm. We started by discussing the internal pathogenic factor phlegm and what it is according to Chinese medicine. And we got into the nitty gritty of the formula, including its four main ingredients with the substitution of Chen Pi for Zhu Hong. Lots of commentary, our concerns and cautions, as well as its potential drug interactions. All in all, a pretty thorough look at this important formula. On our next episode, we are going to be looking at one of my favorite, if a little obscure, herbs, hong chu or red yeast rice. The study of this amazing herb led to amazing insights on cholesterol and constituents uh, be- and became several of the leading medicines used to treat high cholesterol, Just very useful for that. And as always, we will look at something a little different. So join us in two weeks for another interesting episode of Superb's Herbs. Thank you very much for joining me today. As a little reminder, when you buy from Amazon, please use the banner ad on our homepage at superbzerbs.com. If you like this podcast, please do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. We would really appreciate that. And by we, I mean me. I'm, I'm a one-man band here. I'd really appreciate that. <laughs> and and uh, it would be very helpful and, and, uh, for growing our podcast. Appreciate it. And thank you in advance. As usual, you can always get in touch with me at drgregg at spurbsherbs.com or at our website, www.spurbsherbs.com. And thank you very much. As usual, we have our bibliography. And appreciate you hanging in there. Thank you very much.
1: Spurbs Herbs. Herbs.
0: The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle, John. Timothy, John. Robin, Roger, Campbell.